I love cooking myself. I always sort of have, it just came to me naturally. Um, but being able to create something, yeah, and, and set it down for other people to try, to talk about and experience, that gives me a great sense of satisfaction and that's, that's what I take away from it every day. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. A building can have a remarkable history with all manner of incarnations over its lifetime. How do you take a venue renowned as one of Sydney's most iconic late-night arm benders and turn it into a stellar restaurant? Stephen Sinclair is the executive head chef of Jackson's on George. Stephen, how are you? Very well, Anthony. How are you doing, mate? Good. It's good to get you on the show. You're part of a fascinating project with a really iconic location in Sydney. What's what's things like at the moment? Uh, absolutely. Thanks for having me here. Um, excited to be here. Excited to get going at Jackson's. At the minute, you know, it's um, it's pretty incredible. Um, obviously, a really iconic venue. A lot of people know and had many experiences there previously. Yeah. Um, it was a bit before my time. Like, I never... I never went to it when it was the old Jacksons, um, but seeing where it is now, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty incredible. Do, do you know much about the history of the venue? Is it something that the staff have talked about in the lead up to opening this new version? Look, not really, to be honest. You know, I, I was here, I got to Australia seven years ago, which I knew Jacksons was still around, but I never really heard of it. Um, I never visited, but just meeting the locals when I'm talking to them about, the, the, you know, uh, of coming to Jackson's and that's where I am based now. They're just like, wow, you know, like they have all these I mean, like incredible stories, the history of it. Um, they've all had some, you know, wild nights there, um, which sound, you know, it was pretty loose, but um, to see, yeah, to see where it is now, it's, it's, it's amazing. So I don't really know too much of it, of the history, like, because I never was there, um, but just hearing people's reactions and their stories from them, um, before it sounded like, yeah, it was a it was a pretty wild venue. Well, that's probably not a bad thing. I think uh, people have some pretty strange memories for that venue. Tell us a little bit about the building now. It's such an incredible looking um, space. What 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 has what has the team done to create this building? Well, you know, it's been on the on the cards for a number of years now. Um, the architect, Richard Stansich, the you know the designers have been they've worked endlessly for years to get this to get it where it is now and you just come down and look at it look at the venue itself and you know you're almost blown away by it um of it just sitting there and, and especially it's such a key place of sydney you know right in the heart of sydney next to the probably the most two iconic um, monuments in the country you know the harbour bridge uh and the opera house so we're just right you know we're neighbors from that and to have it there and how it is is, is yeah it's absolutely amazing um and to see the old photos of what it looked like, like it's just an incredible job. Um, I sort of came on board and got pitched. The idea got pitched to me about two years ago. Um, I was current, yeah, I was currently working at Icebergs at the time in Bondi. Uh, the idea got pitched to me, so I took it. You know, it took a bit of time to think about it because I knew it was just such a huge project. The size of the venue, I was, you know, was a bit taken back, but it took me, you know, a number of weeks to think about it, and I just thought, you know, I absolutely had to go for it. Um, at this stage of my career where I'm at, um, definitely want to push myself, push the limits and, and do this challenge. Well, the, the last couple of years have been strange for everyone on the planet, but given that you've sort of been 
you know, part of this project for two years. Has it been a weird two years for you being part of this process? Well, not. I mean, not really, I guess. Only more, it hasn't been weird, I guess. Like, the idea got pushed to me two years ago, but I didn't really get start working, you know, only until last year when I met Michael Broom for the first time, our licensee and uh, direct, uh, director and general manager. So once I met him last year, that's when we really started uh, getting the ball rolling, I guess. And I started thinking ahead for menus and what, what I wanted to do. I guess that, that first year that I, I knew it was on the cards when I got asked to me, and I got asked about it, but I was still working full time at Iceberg. So a lot of my focus was still there um, during that the sort of first year, but I knew it was going, it was creeping up and it was coming and the times went by so fast, like it's insane. Um, yeah. Uh, Morris Tazzini is part of the project as well, and you've worked with him at Icebergs. Uh, we've had him on the show before. He's an icon of the industry. What, what's he like to work with? Do you have any stories of what it's like? Absolutely. Like, Morris is, uh, you know, he's incredible. Like, especially, it's great to have, to have worked with him for a number of years before at Icebergs, you know, as I was running the kitchen, to sort of build that relationship with him and then move on together together. Uh, to Jackson's now, you know, we, our relationships only got gotten closer. Um, and he's a, you know, he's a creative genius and he's an inspiration. You know, he's, he's nonstop. He's 24 hours a day. Um, he's always pushing, pushing the boundaries, challenging, challenging me, everything that to do with the industry and the, and the venues that we, we're in. Um, and it helps me out a lot, you know, because I try and get as creative as I can. But, you know, at times when it's, you know, inc- incredibly busy, Sometimes you don't have so much time for that. Um, but Morris is always coming to you with ideas, dishes, things he's seen that he's experienced in, in restaurants, um, which really benefits me as well. It gives me more ideas when sometimes I wouldn't, you know, some certain ideas I wouldn't necessarily think of. Um, and then I can work on it with him. We chat about ideas, dishes that we want to showcase and work on them together. And I'll create them. Um, we'll taste them. And, you know, if we're, we're both across it and it hits the brief and it, it tastes delicious, then, you know, we'll work with it. And, it's it, you know, we're doing that currently and have been for the past number of months, I guess, in the build-up Jackson's with the dishes we have on the menu. Um, people will remember the former, or many people in Sydney will remember the former site, but it's architecturally astounding now, the new vision that's unfolded. Tell us a little bit about the different areas and elements and offerings that you have there. Yeah, so it's a three three story venue. Um, public bar is situated on the ground level. You can then move up to level one where you'll have your bistro, and then you have the the rooftop. So the three the three different areas are are absolutely incredible, and they look you know they look amazing. I just can't wait to see people in there and he, you know hear them sounds, the noises, the energy. Um, the public bar when you'll first walk in, you know we want it to make it feel like you're in Australia. You know, um, the menu is sort of designed to be an Australian menu. So when you go in, you sit down, you know, you feel like the food that's on offer, um, you have that offering uh, of being in Australia. But there's certain elements and influences that I've used, you know, coming from Northern Ireland and Europe that I've used on the menu. So little different tweaks here and there. Um, on the menu, one being the, the duck sausage roll. You know, a, duck, a sausage roll is something you find everywhere and people love it. I love it. Um, I've just done a little bit of a twist on it. Um, so that's going to be an offer there. You know, you've got your Stone Axe Wagyu pie. 
It'll be on the menu, the, your classic chicken schnitzel. We're, we're now doing a spatchcock cotoletta. And so it's just a little bit of a twist on it. And we'll also have the same offering on the rooftop. So the, the public bar on the rooftop will be that sort of pub, pub, pub food, um, but just lifted in a way, you know, that's a bit more elegant and executed really well. Um, then you have the, the bistro on level one, which is, again, it's our statement of Euro Oz. Um, which is what, which is really our brief on what we want to achieve. So you want to f- almost feel like you're, you're in Europe when you see the dishes that's in front of you. The influence has come from, it's come from Europe, but really focus on uh, on the the amazing produce that we have in Australia. You know some of the best ingredients and produce I've ever worked with, um, and really showcase that showcase that because I feel quality is uh, is absolutely crucial and it's key for me. If we can get, if we can focus on getting the quality in and then we can just deliver it and execute it to the way we want to for our guests to enjoy well i want to explore your cooking in greater detail shortly and what you're doing at jackson's on george but take us back to when you were young where where did you grow up and what sort of role did food play for you so i grew up in uh, belfast a city in uh, northern ireland um i lived there for 27 years of my life before coming to australia um I actually got into cooking when I was around the age of 20. So I actually went to school. And when I was in school, I was sort of had the idea that I was going off to study in university. But I had really no idea what that was going to be. So I studied my A-levels. All my friends were, you know, they were all going off to university. They all sort of knew what they wanted to do. But I was a little bit lost at the time. Um, I was just, you know, choosing courses that I didn't even know much about. I felt a bit under pressure and lost, yeah. Um, but it was, I was quite big into art, so I would have painted a lot um, as a teenager. Um, graffiti art was a, was a big part of my life, and then just painting on canvases. So that was probably my, my biggest subject in school. Um, and how I got into cooking was like, so I used to come home, and we would use our kitchen at home as my sort of art studio. So when we came back from school, I would set up there, and that's where I would do my coursework and my paintings. So like during that time, my mom had always been home and cooking the dinner for, for us coming home. So she would have always been home first. Uh, and then as we got back from school, me and my brothers, I would sort of sit in the kitchen and do my work there. Um, and while I was doing it, she would always be cooking. So, you know, I got the smells, the sounds, and it always just in- intrigued me. So I was just asking her, started asking her questions just naturally. And like asking the questions, oh, what, what are you cooking today? Like, you know, trying to, see how she was doing it and then I would try and replicate it as well I just like instant instantly like fell in love with it it was just you know a matter of moments it just sort of changed my life just from those that was like the key memory that I'll always remember um and from then I just absolutely fell in love with it and then when I was getting home I was actually wanting to do the dinner for my family um like she would she would probably cook the same meals like every seven days. So you'd have, you know, we would do like spaghetti bolognese one day, uh, chicken and vegetable soup the next, and then we'd always have a Sunday roast. But the next week it would always be like the same, the same food. But it was always amazing. And um, so I always wanted to try and change it up a bit. So I, I'd, I'd offer if I could cook it. Um, so I'd go shopping in the supermarket, or pick out some ingredients, um, and then I'd start doing it. And then I, I, asked, I remember asking for a cookbook for Christmas, and then that was it. 
I just got a huge sense of joy and satisfaction from it and never really looked back. Take us to the early years when you first sort of started your career and got your foot in the door. What were the really important venues and people that you worked with? Yeah, so um, my first ever time I got into the kitchen, I actually tried to get in as a chef, but I had no previous experience. So they gave me a job as a dishwasher, as a kitchen hand. So I was like, you know what, let's try it. And uh, I went for it. It was tough. But as soon as I walked in, I knew straight away that this is the sort of environment that I wanted to be in. Just the sort of the noise, the clatter, the smells. And it was just like, and I wanted to work hard to get to where the other guys were, um, which happened in a number of months. It was only in a little cafe at the time, just outside of Belfast. Um, but I was just pushing like every day and wanted to learn more and, and more. And I think I was there maybe a year before getting my first job as a commie chef in a, a restaurant called the Potted Hen Bistro in uh, Belfast City Centre. Um, I actually applied for the job and, and done a trial, and I never got the job. At the start, my friend actually applied and got the job before me, um, and he, and he, uh, he ended up giving it a week, and then he left. Um, so they called me up straight after and said, oh, your friends just left, do you want the job? So I was like, yeah, absolutely, and went for it and went in, and it was probably, uh, the hardest three months of my life, like in a professional kitchen, the guys were really old school. It was a really tough environment and it was busy, but it definitely helped me be who I was and the things I learned from them, you know, growing and moving on. Um, Marty Murphy was the head chef at the time. He came, him and his, he had a brigade of chefs who came from uh, a restaurant called Dean's. Uh, Michael Dean is a restaurateur in Belfast, one of the, the biggest restaurateurs in the country. Um, currently has a Michelin star in Belfast um, and owns a number of restaurants. So his Marty came from there and he, he brought a brigade of chefs with him. Uh, so he was my first mentor that sort of trained me um, like so well. He was hard on you, but like it made me a much better chef and tougher person. Um, uh, I worked there with him for around three years, uh, just maybe just shy of three years from a commie uh, to a junior sous level in that sort of space of time, which, you know, it's pretty fast, but, you know, obviously you could see that there was something there and, you know, I was just, I had my head down and it was just busting my balls really every day because I, I just wanted to keep going. You spent you spent a bit of time in England as well. What was that like? Yeah, look, I did. It wasn't, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a long time. I mean, I was working in a restaurant uh, back home in County Down called the Old School House Inn with a chef called Will Brown, who's a, who's a talented chef. I was actually working there full time as sous chef and I took some time off to go to England. So I went to, I took, I ended up taking annual leave. Um, I flew to Cartmill, which is in the Lake District uh, in Northern England to Long Clume. Um, I sort of emailed out before then. I sort of sent out a load of emails to different restaurants in, the, in across the UK that I was really interested in working in. Uh, they got back to me, so I made the trip over. Uh, it was around 20, June 2016, I think. Um, so I spent, it was a short period of time there, but it was, it was incredible. Like, I'd never seen anything like it in my life. You know, just the, the structure, the organization, the unity in that, in that restaurant was, was totally next level. And I feel like once, you know, we started doing the food and how intricate it was and the techniques they use was, uh, was mind-blowing. It was the first time I'd really ex ever experienced anything like that. Um, I loved it. Like, I wish, you know, if I could, uh, you know, to stay longer, I would have. But, again, I, w I was sort of dedicated and 
in with my job at, you know, back home where I was. I just took the time off to, to, to do that. So it was never really permanent. Um, and then, we, you know, I've, I tried the food there. We, we had, I, I think that they do a menu of like 16 courses. Um, and every single thing was just mind blowing. Like the flavor was just incredible. And they, I think they got number one restaurant in the UK from good food many years in a row. And then they just recently got their three stars at the time when I was there, it was two stars, but yeah, even still it was, it was absolutely incredible. How, how did you end up in Australia? Oh, so, um, I actually always wanted to come to Australia when I was like 21. So it was around the same time I started cooking. Um, cause I had a few friends that came over here when we were a bit younger. So I was always interested to come too. That just looked amazing. Um, you know, we got a lot of cold and wet weather back in Ireland. I just wanted to go somewhere where it was really sunny all the time. So that was one of the main reasons. But at the time, I was just starting to cook. And I was more focused on cooking and learning uh, and be, about being a chef. So I, I, I held off and focused on my career for, for a number of years. And then decided to, take the, to make the move um, at the age of 27. So... I was in a where I was at in my position as a sous chef. There it was it was you know it was tough work. Um, you know we'd have chefs leave all the time. We'd be you know I'd be doing eighty hours a week easily. You know maybe somewhere where ninety hours I was staying over in the venue sometimes just because we were so in the shit with chefs. So we would get up first thing in the morning on a Sunday to get the roast dinner going, and it just kind of went on for a long time. And I was just really burnt out after a while. So I just thought, you know what, I'll book a one-way flight to Australia. I came over here by myself and never looked back. It's been the greatest decision I've ever made. What was it like for you when you first got here? Were you surprised by the culinary landscape? Yeah, look, I mean, I, the, I, when I first came here, I was sort of in that mood that I, was, that I just stopped cooking. I wanted a bit of a holiday. So I, I actually spent most of the year traveling. So I spent a bit of time in Sydney. I did have a friend over here who I stayed with, I spent some time with, but then I went off and traveled the coast um, with another chef who actually I knew from back home, uh, Andy Miller. Um, And we traveled the coast, uh, spent a bit of time traveling, you know, up in Queensland, spent a bit of time in Byron Bay and the Gold Coast. So when I came back, um, I also done my farm work as well, actually up there after my travels, I ended up doing three months three months farm work on a banana farm which was an uh, absolute experience like good and bad it was very very tough very tiring uh, very messy but it was when I was there with the people that we met uh, at the time staying together in the hostels we made it a, a fun time when we weren't working um, so it was actually during that time it was, t- it was probably the longest I've ever gone without actually working as a chef um, but I knew I wanted to get back into it and I, I knew I wanted to come back to Sydney because it was, you know, the, the, high, the, I guess the best place for me that, uh, that I experienced since being here. Um, and just got a little job in, in Coogee. It was close by my house. I uh, didn't want it to be really long term, but, um, even being experienced as a sous chef before, I didn't really, and I got an offer for a head chef as well, but I didn't really want to jump into a position it was like my first position as a chef in Australia into like a head chef role or sous chef role. I wanted to really learn, understand the culture, the food, the producers. So I started it off as a CDP um, and just tried to take the time to learn as much as I could about the country and the food, the farmers, everything. And then, yeah, I, I 
landed a job at Icebergs, um, which I've been at for just shy of six years. How, how different is the kitchen at Icebergs uh, compared to what you were used to back in Ireland? Well, the massive, massive. It was the first time I really, I, I started there as a junior Sioux and the, whenever I remember the first time I walked in, it was a bit intimidating because there was so many people there and I'd never worked with a team that, that size. Um, any restaurant or kitchen I worked in, you know, we would have been up to 10 chefs max. That was the first restaurant I worked in. Every other restaurant venue I worked in were maybe like five of us. Um, so walking in the icebergs was a huge difference. I'd never worked in a kitchen that size and that size of a brigade, um, which was a bit daunting at, at the at, at first but definitely one of the best decisions I've made and it's really helped me I guess working alongside a big team uh training them mentoring them and working with them has helped me get to where I am now because Jackson's is obviously a huge venue the kitchen is a good size it's you know similar size to what Icebergs is but I'm again I'm going to need a brigade same size like roughly around 30 kitchen staff for a seven-day operation probably more um you know so we get everyone a good work-life balance it's just a, to me that's really important for them all so um i mean i get it at the minute it's it's going to be really busy it's the opening you know so we all put in a little bit extra but i definitely want to give people the right time off uh once we get settled in um but it, yeah there's it, compared to where i was working back home to the kitchens i worked over here it was it was huge <laughs> you've uh, spent quite a few years working with Alex Pritchard and we've had him on the show as well. Do you have any stories of what it's like working with him? Alex has been a great, great mentor, you know. Um, he's, he's super intelligent. He knows he knows so much about the country and the food here, uh, the suppliers, the farmers. He has all these amazing relationships with them and that's what's really helped me a lot get to where I am, you know, through him meeting, you know, our suppliers who have grown these relationships with for the number of years has really helped me out um i guess i remember like the sort of organization that we have and the systems we have in place at icebergs has been second to none compared to or anywhere else i've worked um so that is a huge part that i'll always take from uh and continue to do especially moving into to jackson's you know to have those sort of systems in place we've sort of uh started from scratch but we want to make sure that everything is in place we have the right systems organization because you've got all these new people starting some of them i don't know i mean i'm fortunate that i have a good few chefs that's come with me um who i know and have worked with before especially my suit team um but to have so many new people start you know you really have to have their their section folders their lists all there so then they just it's there in front of them and it'll help out the training so it's it's less messy you know because it could very easily get get messy so it's been a, a big build-up um getting all that in place and that's one big thing i've learned working with alex and how about how, how his organization is um uh, and his relationships with with the with the industry really let's talk about uh creativity and and your food and the approach that you're taking to jackson's on george well what's it been like firstly to sort of create your own menu and and do you have a couple of dishes that sort of exemplify your cooking at the moment yeah, look, I mean, it's been a it's been a long work in progress. Um, sort of worked as I was at Icebergs, and Alex came to me about the idea. Jackson's, we sort of worked together on that in the the sort of begin, the the first stages of it. Um, but I've spent since then. I've spent so much time going over it um, more and more. I've actually my original menus were absolutely massive, but 
I've definitely had to scale it down. You know what I mean? I would not don't want to overshoot because you know we want to deliver. So we've I've scaled it back a bit, but kept a lot of dishes on the sort of the back burner um, for now. Um, so we've sort of gone with like I guess I want to input dishes. The, the food I want to do is food that I love to eat. You know, first and foremost, it's food that I love to eat. Uh, it's food that I enjoy cooking. So you know that's what I want to put on the plate and but have a, a balance across the menu you know so you have you know there might be some dishes that might be rich but there's also light fresh dishes on there um we're doing like a, a small selection of, of grilled steaks on the menu um we'll be using copper tree farms retired dairy cow tenderloin we have uh david blackmore's uh wagyu uh short scotch we've got uh, o'connor uh sirloin um, so that you know they're, they're dishes I love cooking steak like I really do it was since I cooked my first steak um, I just felt such a joy from it cooking it right so it's you know and the, the meat over here in Australia I feel like even the Wagyu it's, it's probably the best I've ever had in the world I don't think anywhere that I've tried it has been the standard that it is here so it's, I definitely want to showcase that um, we are doing I guess even in the public bar the duck sausage roll is, is a key one the, the stone axe Wagyu pie um, we also doing a Chris Morton Bay bug roll. So again, like a take on a, a pub classic of a, a prawn roll, but taking, you know, the, the native bugs from Morton Bay, uh, battering them in a, in a light tempera batter, um, and dressing it with a voodoo mayonnaise, which I, a dressing that I used back in Europe once. So it's just a little bit of, of the, the combination between the two, um, our desserts, again, are very, I guess, very classic, but simple, you know, you just want to execute them so well. I guess you, I like to keep things simple when I cook, but means you focus more on actually delivering it, to, you know, to, the, to its best. Um, we've got a passion fruit tart that's on there, which is just perfect for the season right now, um, which is so citrusy, fresh, and we'll do a culture cream with it uh, and some alto olive oil, which with the fattiness through it just kind of softens the, the sharpness and the sweetness of the dish and it balances really well. So it's, it's a dish that I really love. Um, but one of my all time favorites of desserts would be the creme caramel. Um, I think it's, it's been my favorite dessert for forever for as long as I remember. So it's one that I will always want to have on the menu. Um, done with a slight twist again, it's kind of like a combo of a creme brulee and a creme caramel where I'll do, uh, a nougatine disc on top so you almost break into it um, rather than just eating you know the soft custard of a, of a classic creme caramel you get a little bit of texture going through it you've got amaretto going through the sauce as well to sort of lift it and give it a bit added depth of flavor so it's yeah it's just a bit of a take on the classic dishes so that's what i'm sort of trying to trying to achieve yeah how are you feeling uh, at the moment? You know, it's such an iconic location and venue with an amazing history and um, such sort of important figureheads in the industry as part of it and, and a big role for you. How do, how do you feel about about it? Yeah, the, the, the feelings have been absolutely everywhere. They've been haywire, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, honestly, the, the nerves, the stress, the, the excitement, it's just... It's just off the charts for me at the minute, you know, um, which I think it all it naturally comes with it with such, being such a venue, an iconic venue. The amount of people that are reaching out to me about it, they've had so much history there before and they're, they see where I'm coming from and they're just really excited to try the food. So it's just been, it's been nonstop. 
Um, and, you know, there's days where my emotions will just be, they'll be amazing one minute, you know, I'll be relaxed and, and confident and excited. And then there'll be, you know, no time, I'll be stressed again and, and anxious. There's been a couple of sleepless nights in the buildup, but you know what, it's, it's all part of it. And, uh, you know, it's the reason why I'm doing it is to, is to just push on and, and try and better myself, you know, and see what I can really achieve out of it um, for myself and for, for the people of, of Sydney. Well, you're on the cusp of opening uh, an incredible venue um, and look forward to seeing what comes from that. Um, but um, what do you love about what you do? Oh, I mean, a big part of what I love, what I do. And I think it's, I, I always find it when I go in there and I'm, I'm making something, I find it fun. First, first and foremost, I find it fun. And then what I can get out of it when I've completed the dish or the, the item, whatever it is. And, and it works out it gets you know it turns out the way I want it and most importantly if it's if it's delicious and it's tasty then you get other people's feedback on it you know for me that's that's what I love about it I really love the sense of seeing people enjoy what I create um, that is like the first and foremost for for what I do and I mean I love cooking myself I, I always sort of have it's just came to me naturally um, but being able to create something, yeah, and, and set it down for other people to try to talk about an experience, that gives me a great sense of satisfaction, and that's that's what I take away from it every day. Well, Stephen, uh, good luck with the opening, and uh, look forward to seeing what happens as Jackson's on George has a new lease on life. I uh, would love to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear just a part of your story. Um, please keep in touch, and we'll catch up again soon. Absolutely, Anthony. Thanks so much. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure to be here. Absolutely thrilled uh, that you've reached out and we've had the chat and I can't wait to see you at Jackson's. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au and be well.